Well, good morning. My name is Fred Schmidt. I'm one of the pastors here at Hillcrest. And uh, we are excited to have David back starting tomorrow. He's been away on paternity leave. And so, David, if you're watching at home, we miss you here. And uh, we're looking forward to having you back uh, with us, uh, you know, as staff. And then we all get to have him back with us next week. So that'll be really really exciting. Well, uh, I am looking forward to next week too because I will have an opportunity to share with you a little bit about uh, my sabbatical. I'm just returning from being on sabbatical last fall and uh, I'm looking forward to that. Um, one of the things that we did when during that time is we had an opportunity to go and visit some of our adult children who now live out of state. We got to go see uh, our daughter Megan and her husband Alec up in Chaska, Minnesota. They just bought a house over the summer, so that was really a blessing to spend time with them. And then our other daughter, Abby, and her new husband, James, they got married at the end of July, and the next day they moved to Phoenix. And so we had not seen them uh, since that day, and it was just such a joy to be in Phoenix. I mean, you know, somebody's got to go visit them. <laughs> so we... We went, and that was really fun. So amongst all the other things that we did, one of the things we picked up was playing some board games with our kids. And I actually finally got to learn the game of Catan, and I really love it. And so uh, for those of you who are in that uh, Camp Fairwood Catan group in the dining hall, I'd love to join you if you'll have me. Um, that was really fun. And another game that we played was something called Ticket to Ride. Has anybody played Ticket to Ride? Oh, good. You guys will understand the sermon then. That'll, that'll be a help for you. Um, no, we picked up that game. Uh, Jennifer really loves it. In fact, we played that over the weekend. You can see we, we took a snapshot uh, after we were done. I think I won, didn't I? I did. Yes, I did. Um, anyway, it's a, it's a really fun game. And I, I think kind of learning this new game um, really inspired me as I was looking through the sermon passage this week. Uh, to come up with this analogy. So today as we go through this passage uh, in 1 Peter, as we continue our series called Live a New Identity, uh, we're going to build a train together and uh, see how that goes. So I'm only covering two verses today uh, officially, verses 20 and 21, but because they kind of flow out of the, the greater passage before that, we're going to go ahead and read from verse 13. So if you have a Bible, open it up to uh, 1 Peter Chapter 1, verse 13, I have the words on the screen, uh, or they're also in your notes. So let's read this, and we will uh, jump right in. Peter writes, beginning in verse 13, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile knowing that you are ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. And here are two verses for today, verse 20. He, Christ, was foreknown before the foundation of the world, 
but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Let's pray together. Our Father, we are so blessed to be able to spend this time together, spend this time together in your word. And so, Father, I know your word is living and active and speaks to us today. So open our ears and our hearts so that we can hear you and experience you uh, through these verses from Peter today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as we jump in, I just want to kind of throw out a big idea for us at the very beginning. And that big idea is that God's perfect, timeless, and precious plan for freedom in Christ empowers us with belief, faith, and hope in God. And I believe that as we look at at this passage that I kind of read from starting in verse 13 on to today, In all of this, Peter desires for us to be empowered by these priceless gifts of belief, faith, and hope as we strive to do what he's talked about, be holy in our conduct and to conduct ourselves with fear, fear of the Lord. Maybe it was those other words, this conducting ourselves and all that, that kind of made me think of this this analogy of talking about a train today because we're going to start out with us kind of being the conductor of our own train, okay? That's a picture I found. It showed up on Instagram. I don't know how they caught me. You know, paparazzi or something uh, caught me. And that was, uh, so we're, you're, you're the conductor of your own train. That's where we're going to start. And uh, we're going to add the first train car to that train, and that's going to be belief, And we're talking about conducting ourselves with belief in God. Well, Peter's main focus last time was the high cost of our ransom from a life of slavery to sin, paid for with nothing less than the precious blood of Christ. And now Peter, today, he's going to expand on that even a little bit more on the magnitude of the Father's love for us and his goodness towards us, giving us even more insight about what to believe about him. So, verse 20, he, Christ, was foreknown before the foundation of the world. So, what that means is, even before Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, Even before that, not only did God already know the Son, because we have God existing as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in that trinity since eternity past, but God the Father already knew that he would one day send his one and only Son to give his life as a ransom for many. That plan was already set in place before In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And throughout the Old Testament scriptures, God, I just love this, God gives us some some hints, some clues, some, some breadcrumbs along the way, pointing to this plan and pointing to the coming of the Messiah, the Savior. Let me give you just a couple of quick examples. 
Um, the first one comes way back in the time when creation was first completed, where Adam and Eve acted out on this temptation by the serpent, by Satan, to disobey God. Remember, God told them, don't eat of the tree, and they disobeyed him and went and ate fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And because of that, God goes ahead and he, he doles out some different curses to Adam first and then to Eve, and now this one to the serpent himself. In Genesis 3.15, he says to Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. Talking about Eve's offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So the Eve of offspring, uh, the offspring of Eve, sorry, refers to Jesus. And this whole scenario of bruising this and bruising that played out as Satan bruised Jesus in the heel in his crucifixion and death. Now we look at the crucifixion as being this, this very significant price for Jesus to pay, and it absolutely was. But in the end, it turns out to be a minor injury of sorts compared to bruising the head of Satan, which was a very serious injury, which Jesus did in his resurrection. And in doing so, bruising the head of Satan, declaring victory over death and victory over sin and the, the defeat of Satan himself. This verse, Genesis 3.15, is commonly referred to as, as the proto-evangelium, which is a very long, big word that simply means that this is the first announcement that we have in Scripture of the good news, of the gospel, of, of Jesus coming to ransom us from our sins. <laughs> this is the first announcement of this plan that God had before the foundations of the world to send His Son. Let me give you two more breadcrumbs that, that, uh, that God has left us in the Old Testament. Um, the next comes from the prophet Isaiah. And this was written some 700 years before uh, Jesus was born. He said, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. We've heard that one, right? We're coming out of Christmas not too long ago. But 700 years before Jesus was born, God reminds us of this promise of the coming Savior. I'll give you, give you one more that, that's kind of similar, but I, I love it. It's one of my, my favorites. It's out of uh, Micah chapter 5. Again, written about 700 years before the birth of Christ. Micah wrote, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. And again, there we get this idea that, that here's something very specific. When I, when I send my son, he's going to be born in this little town of Bethlehem. And I love how Micah in, includes this, whose coming forth, as Peter calls it, the, this manifestation is from of old, from ancient days. God's plan was in existence long ago. 
And we see it played out. And it's not just me trying to read a couple of of scattered scriptures here and there in the Old Testament because it's actually the Old Testament and the New Testament combine into our scriptures that tells the story of the coming and the manifestation of Jesus. And I love how God, God knew the plan and he gave us hints along the way and then he fulfilled his promise in a stable in Bethlehem some 2,000 years ago. Peter tells us even more about the Father's plan as we continue. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times. In the last times. You know, God could have revealed his Son at any time in history. And think about this, for Peter and for his original readers of this letter, this was really special that, that in the course of history, they happened to be around right at the time that the Messiah came to earth. Because the nation of Israel, they had been waiting and waiting and waiting. In fact, they had been waiting since Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 for the coming of their Messiah. And here he was. What a privilege it would have been to have lived in those days. And what a privilege it is for us to live in our times, too. We have the completed New Testament to fit together and fulfill the completed Old Testament to see in our scriptures the full scope of God's plan to tell us about all about finding life in Jesus, finding joy in Jesus. It's a privilege for us to be living in this age as well. I love how the author of Hebrews He opens his uh, letter to the Hebrews, kind of talking about this manifestation of God, of Jesus. He says, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. We, We mentioned Isaiah and Micah as two of those. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And not only was the Christ foreknown from the beginning, from from before the beginning, And not only had he come now in these last times in fulfillment of Scripture, but Peter adds this. He says, he was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory. I love this reminder from Peter. Hey, hey, everybody, all these amazing things that God did, he did it for you. So that through Jesus, through his crucifixion and his resurrection and glory, we might have this opportunity to be believers in God. Believers in God, in God Almighty who created the heavens and the earth. What a privilege to believe. And so we we start with our first train car 
being belief. Belief that the Bible is true, belief that it contains the very words of God, that we can, we can hang our hat on them, we can trust them, we can obey them. This belief that Jesus was sent for you and for me and he died for us and was raised again on the third day, we can believe that that's true. We can look to the scriptures as if we go back to our, our train analogy a little bit. Well, maybe it's not a good example of a train because you're on a track and that's kind of telling you where you're going. But the, the scriptures are kind of our travel guide then through our lives here on the earth. So let's add the next train car. Verse 20 again. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. So the second train car we're going to add today is faith. Faith. Talking about conducting ourselves with faith. Perhaps a, a, a simple working definition of faith could be this, belief in action. Faith is belief in action. It's taking all of these things that we believe about God, things that we, we know and trust to be true, and then we live out our lives as an expression of those beliefs. Let me say it in just a little bit of a different way. If we believe that these things are true, then that makes a difference to us. It, it makes a difference in how we conduct our lives, how we handle success, how we handle failures, how we handle stress and trials. It affects how we express ourselves in our relationship with God. And as we're going to see Peter start to talk about in a couple weeks from now, it affects on how we express our belief in, in how we relate to one another. Faith is our belief in action. Hebrews chapter 11 uh, is a great chapter. I encourage you to read it sometime if you haven't read it or haven't read it in a while. It's, uh, I've heard people refer to it as the hall of faith. And it's, it's great because it walks you through many of the Old Testament uh, characters and, and, and walks them through so that, that we can see how they took what they believed and they lived it out in their lives, it says, by faith. Now, before we say any more about faith, let's go ahead and add our third car to the train, the, the train car, hope, and talking about conducting ourselves with hope in God. Now, this type of hope does not mean I sure hope that the Packers win the game next Saturday. All right? Now, if you're a true man of God, that is what you believe. Um, sorry, David. Sorry, Tyler. Sorry, anybody else. But uh, no, I'm just joking about that, obviously. It's not that kind of hope. All right? Hey, nice, nice Packer jacket there. Um, it's talking about a different kind of hope. I want to I offer you another kind of a, a, a working definition of the kind of hope that Peter is talking about. It's an eager and encouraging anticipation of something that we confidently expect 
and await. An eager and encouraging anticipation of something we confidently accept or expect and await. Now, in our train so far, we have belief, faith, and hope. And I want to just jump back a second to faith again. Because I think faith can be looked at as kind of a connection point of sorts between belief and hope. Now, I realize that I've got belief, faith, and hope like shown as three separate cars. And and I don't mean to say that they're all just separate things from one another. They do all relate back and forth and in between with one another. But, But I think faith has a special place to connect belief and hope together. Let, let me show you. Hebrews chapter 11, that, that uh, chapter I talked about earlier, begins with this verse kind of giving us a definition for faith. And I, I love this. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, p- pointing ahead to our hope of what we expect and await. And faith is the conviction of things not seen. This belief of of the things that we have have heard about God from his word are true. Even if we weren't like physically there to experience them ourselves personally. They are things that we have not seen and yet believe. And I I love this. Looking back in, in these first 21 verses of the first chapter of Peter, Peter has already mentioned faith three times within the, the, the passage from verse 5 to verse 9. We talked about that probably back in October. But each time he talks about faith in that section, he talks about faith in the present pointing to some hope for the future. Let me, let me show you this. Uh, verse 5, you who by God's power are being guarded through faith, faith, we're being guarded by our faith today, for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time, pointing to some future hope. Verse 6, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith today may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ pointing to the future. And in the next verse, verse 8, we actually see all three of our train cars all put together. Peter says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the outcome of today's faith, which is the salvation of your souls, a future hope. And in all of this, I think Peter is really wanting us to remember that our ultimate belief, faith, and hope must be in God and nothing else. Not in a pastor, not in a president, not in the stock market, not in, not even the most perfect, well-laid-out plans for the future. 
something that I know I have really learned a lot about in, in this COVID days. We can't put our hope in our plans. If you're a student, you can't put your hope in good grades. Can't put our hope in, in what retirement's going to be like. We can't put our hope in people, not even our parents, not even our spouses, not our kids or our grandkids. Verse 20, he, Christ, was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. And this passage that I read at the beginning that, that starts in verse 13 and ends today in verse 21, it actually begins and ends with Peter talking about hope. Hope is, is bookmarking this whole passage where in verse 13 he talks about set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And it ends with hope. Your faith and hope are in God. And in between these bookends, Paul describes all of these marvelous things that we've talked about these last couple of weeks about, about God and his love for us, all of which inspire us to, to conduct ourselves with holiness, to conduct ourselves with the fear of the Lord, all because of the belief, faith, and hope that we have in God. And so I'm going to suggest that we, we add one more car to our train Let's add the caboose. Let's add the caboose and let's call that the fear of God or of the fear of the Lord as we described in detail last week. And we're going to talk about conducting ourselves with fear again. Now, the caboose, I found this very interesting because I didn't know much about cabooses, but the caboose was often used as as either an office or even living quarters for the conductor of the train. But if you've ever seen a caboose, sometimes you'll see a ladder going up the back because the caboose was also used by the crew of the train as like an observation deck for them to climb up there while the train's going down the track so that they can look at all the cars and everything to make sure everything's going okay. They could look ahead to see if there were any mechanical problems going on, any smoke coming from the brakes or whatever. They could also look ahead to see if there were any obstacles in the track ahead, you know, maybe like a buffalo or something like that back in those days. And they could also kind of watch out for threats of train robbers that might set up an ambush and come and stop and rob the train. And so I think the caboose here at the end is a really good analogy for conducting ourselves with fear. Because I think what Peter's been trying to tell us these last couple of weeks is, is that our desire to be holy and this desire to conduct ourselves with, with this reverent awe for who God is and, and, and to conduct ourselves with this fear of, of, of not living in a way that, that brings pleasure and glory to God when we stand on those desires, they give us this great foundation for us to look ahead and see how we're doing with our train, with our belief and our faith and our hope. It's watching for any obstacles that we might have in our belief in God. 
or any weaknesses that we might have in our faith in God or any, any threats that we might have ahead to our hope in God. Any of those things which can spell some danger to us in our journey ahead in life. Because just like last week when, when, when Peter was talking, if, if we conduct ourselves without this reverent awe of God is, who God is and without this fear of disappointing God after all he's done for us, if we do that, then it's as if we live out our lives as if God did not have some sort of a brilliant plan that began before the foundation of the world. If we don't conduct ourselves with holiness, if we don't conduct ourselves with fear, then we live as though we don't have belief, faith, trust, and hope in Almighty God. Now back to that board game, Ticket to Ride. It's kind of funny, I talked to some, a couple of guys after first service, and last night they played Ticket to, the, to Ride for the very first time, and uh, so that prepared them more than they even knew for today's service. But in the game, the, the premise is that, that everybody gets a ticket, a ticket to ride on a certain trip from point A to point B. And... Uh, this one I, I, I brought says Chicago to Santa Fe, but I, let's just say I'm going from Chicago to Phoenix because I'd rather go back to Phoenix. Everybody gets a ticket, and then you do different things in the game. You, 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 pick, you pick cards and different colors and all this stuff, and the object of the game is to, to build your train from point A to the route to point B. And when you do that, you get points. I got nine points for this Ticket right here. And sometimes the, the, the easiest way, the most direct way from point A to point B is all free and clear. And you can build your train pretty quickly with not that many cars and you can get your points right away and move on to the next one. And sometimes your way might be blocked by an opponent. They might have come through and taken the best route for you. And so what you have to do is you've got to add more cars to your train. You've got to kind of go around and maybe go this way and back down this way and, and, and finally try to get around to your destination. And in the same way, we've been offered a, a ticket. We've been offered a ticket to ride from, from point A, from being exiles here on earth, to point B, to our citizenship in heaven. And that ticket, unlike, unlike this ticket, it's a cheap ticket, the ticket that we've been offered is priceless. It was very, very, very expensive because remember it was purchased with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus is the ticket. He's the ticket. The Apostle John wrote that Jesus is the way. He is the truth and he is the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. So I guess I throw out this question. Do you want to make the trip? If you do, then all aboard. 
Let's go. Let's, let's do this together. But first, you need a ticket. You need the ticket. And what's so amazing about God's perfect plan that he began before the foundation of the world is he's offering you that priceless, expensive ticket for free. He's offering it to you for free by his grace. And what that means is there's nothing that we can do to earn this. There's nothing that we do to deserve it. In fact, we deserve the opposite. But he's offering it to you for free through belief and faith and hope in Jesus. And so if if you haven't already, I urge you, receive that ticket and begin the journey to our citizenship in heaven. Go ahead, let's, let's, let's come along together. Let, let's, let's build belief and faith and hope onto your train. And let's do this together. And like the game, I promise you there are going to be some obstacles along the way. I promise you that. And when you come across those obstacles, whatever they are, it might be, it might be people, it might be circumstances, it might be loss, it, it might be um, all kinds of different things that come along to block your, the best path you could make. And when that happens, we've got we to gotta add some more cars to your train. We've got to maybe add a little bit more belief or a little bit more faith or a little bit more hope or maybe it's some other kinds of cars, maybe a little more joy. Maybe some more endurance to your train so we can keep things moving forward towards our destination. Let me offer you a couple of takeaways from today. Continuing with our analogy of the train, how is your train running these days? Do you have any repairs you need to make? Are there any obstacles in the way or any threats that you need to guard against? Do you need to add any more cars or add to the cars you have? That's number one. Number two, encourage you to pray, watch, and step into opportunities to put your belief into action and to then grow in your faith in God. And when you do that, when you see what God does through you growing in your faith, praying, watching, and stepping into those opportunities, share whatever happens with somebody so that we can rejoice with you about how God is using you to carry out his work. Number three, in the craziness of our world, and I'm just going to mention politics and COVID as two of many things that have made our world crazy In the midst of that, be encouraged by our future in Christ. Be encouraged to what Titus calls the blessed hope of our future. And remember that this is not our home. We are exiles. And finally, number four, find a travel companion or 12. 
Find a travel companion, somebody to come alongside you and mentor you and, and, and help you in your journey. And join a life group. As, as Ryan and Jim and Kathy talked about so well right before the sermon, join a life group and enter into community together where, where you, can, you can come together and as you, as you dig deeper into God's word, as you, as you share life and pray for one another and as you go on mission for God as a group, we get to share some travel tips with one another along the way. So I encourage you to take that next step and uh, go to our website and sign up for a life group. We really appreciated what, what Jim and Kathy and, and Ryan had to say about life group. And I, I would echo what they've said. I, I, I love the tree ring analogy to see years of, of where God was fruitful in our lives in comparison to those years of being in a life group. So very thankful for them. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm done. So uh, let's stand together. Let's, uh, let's prepare ourselves to leave this room. I, I love being here on Sundays. I've missed this. I love being with you guys. This is such a, a great place to be. I've loved being able to see well, most of your faces. I, I have to talk to you. Your mask is something. You've had a smile on your face this whole time. Can you turn around for a second? <laughs> that has been so encouraging. <laughs> She's had her smile on. But I love being here. This is, this is a great and safe place to be. But in a second, we're going to step out of this room and go back out into the world. And as we do that, I really want to encourage you from God's word to keep building into your life the belief, the faith, and the hope that we have in Christ so that we can go out there, share the joy of Jesus that we have in our own hearts with other people, help them to find life with Jesus one life at a time. So let's pray together as we leave. Oh, our Father, we are so thankful for uh, Hillcrest Bible Church in how you have assembled people together as your body here at this church and, and even assembled people together um, outside of this room from their living rooms at home. So thank you for that. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for this, this wonderful plan that you have had since before the foundation of the world that we could find belief and faith and hope in you in Christ. So, Father, encourage us, fill us with your spirit as we leave to do your work out in a world that needs you so very desperately. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming, and uh, we'll see you next week.